This is Michael Easley in context. Here's a peek at what Michael will be talking about today. If you're too much of a silent majority and you're not kind of asserting that, hey, we are here, we want this right, and uh, and we're not going to let them divide us between, well, you're too conservative if you fight for this and there's something wrong with you if you fight for this, it's not politically correct if you fight for this, then ultimately we lose to the radical minority that wants to take out any history whatsoever, any references to the history of our, of our Judeo-Christian founding. For more information, go to michaelincontext.com. And now your host, Dr. Michael Easley. Every day on the broadcast, ACLJ with Jordan Seculo and his father, Jay Seculo, they engage in issues just like this with Mikey Weinstein. I believe that we have people in the military that follow the concept of, again, dominionist Christianity. Okay, so what? Are they, are they, are they as dangerous, and they're as dangerous in your worldview as the Taliban? I'm not saying that we have people that want to go out and take a sword and cut off the heads right. of people in the military uh, that you know, are serving on their, on their various bases. However, Okay, so okay, well, hold on. So we're not, then they're not the same as the Taliban, because the Taliban engages in those kind of activities that you just described, including using their swords to cut off heads of people. So it's not the same. Obviously. This is why I think you know, the animus that you have towards religious people, calling us Taliban and trying to come on our broadcast and saying, well, I really didn't mean that, saying that you did want a court-martial but didn't want a court-martial. This is the problem, Mikey. You make up different statements depending on who your audience is. You talk real tough to reporters, not so tough to us. To have an advocate who can stand between you and this ominous thing called the government or someone fighting you that believes in Christ, that is going to fight for what's right uh, and may help you at some point in time for persecution, for something that unfairly happens to you. We, we all want justice. And at certain times, you might come across an issue that is close to your heart as it is to mine. Well, Jordan, thanks so much for joining me on the broadcast. It is ironic, however, you're in Washington, D.C., and I'm in your father's studio in Franklin, Tennessee, so that's kind of... <laughs> yeah, you know, in Washington, we, we, got a, we have a team here. We, we, uh, we push through to uh, make an impact in Washington, which can be, I know for people out there, they sometimes ask, uh, often actually when we travel, how's, what's it like living there? And, uh, you know, the good thing is there's a lot of people fighting uh, the right battles here, and, uh, and we're part of that. Well, let's talk about the right and wrong battles. Um, as, as believers in Christ, you and I uh, serve a greater master, um, one that the world certainly is not going to always understand. Before we talk about some specific issues, how do you keep your faith in this fight, Jordan, when you, when you enter in something knowing, I have to honor Christ in this first and foremost, as well as fight for this good thing? That's right. You know, it's it's interesting in here in Washington, you know, and I think we're very blessed in the United States because we have these basic rights and most of the battles we're talking about when we talk about what we're fighting in the United States and where uh, the, the majority of our team that we have staff all over the world from all over the world that is based here, you know, we, we are kind of we're different uh, and it, it, you put a new perspective on it after you spend time with staff in places where you don't have these inalienable rights uh, that are not just government created or they're not just words on paper, they're words that mean something. And and to that effect, I think that's what uh, uh, helps to uh, keep the faith throughout all the battles is that uh, we are we have this special opportunity. We are, we are born here uh, for a purpose, for a reason why, uh, you know, those of us who grew up here and got to experience that. And if we're, uh, you know, blessed with the unique uh, gifts, the abilities uh, that those of us who, who – 
practice in this area of law or communicate the message or work on Capitol Hill and government affairs that, uh, you know, we're supposed to be here for a reason. And, and that's, I think it keeps you grounded and it gets, it always makes something, it's just bigger than politics and bigger than one case. Okay. It, it is bigger than politics in one case. It's bigger than policy. But we have to acknowledge a lot of evangelical believers, a lot of Christians in, the, in a broad un- umbrella, um, you know, they don't see it this way. You know, it's, it's, it's not a right and wrong issue too often. It's a moral flatness. You know, and that's, that's how we got into a lot of the problems we're in now is that people for a long time, uh, the church was pretty uh, meek and mild when it came to uh, protecting rights that were, were kind of uh, assumed that these rights would always be here. And when I talk about that, I talk about just the basic, uh, what's in the First Amendment, the free exercise of religion, and the fact that we're now having to defend World War I memorials when, uh, you know, there's no one really around from the time period that those memorials were placed. And if they have any kind of religious symbols whatsoever, there's one right outside Washington, D.C. now, a cross uh, that's been there. I, I, I've lived in D.C. for over a decade. I didn't know about that specific memorial, and uh, and now it's under attack. Uh, you know, legal threats that the town's facing in tough economic times. These were maybe not battles people assumed were coming, uh, but the reality is the writing was on the wall. Uh, it was coming from the Supreme Court cases, things that were maybe more controversial, and maybe you say, okay, but this won't impact me. Um, you know, it started off with the, the prayer issue in the 60s, but that went from uh, something where you know affected prayer in public schools and young people to taking that same philosophy and that same legal interpretation, saying, well, if that's not okay, neither is the cross, neither are uh, the Bible verses that are actually used all over Washington D.C. on our, our national monuments, and and these are now uh, things that are under uh, real legal attack. And though we're we're winning these in court, one, if we weren't there in court. You'd be leaving it up to governments, uh, especially local governments who may not have the money to defend these cases, uh, who would rather just uh, appease those who are threatening lawsuits. And so that's why you know groups like us exist, and the reason really for our existence in the beginning of the ACLJ were cases like that. Uh, by you know we're talking about school boards and local communities and cities, and you know we've had those cases even uh, in the last uh, eight nine years make it all the way to the U.S. Supreme Court. Uh, over uh, uh, Ten Commandments monument that it was in Utah. And so, uh, you know, that was a a city and a town, Pleasant Grove, Utah, that decided uh, to fight. They decided to kind of stand their ground on that issue. And uh, and they won 9-0 at the U.S. Supreme Court. You can still win these cases, but you have to be willing uh, to fight. When it comes to fighting, we have uh, this axiom I often say, we're all pacifists until war comes to our shore. And when yep. we, we saw it 9-11, uh, probably in our generation, uh, in this time period, this decade, we, hopefully we'll never see it again. But that was, you know, as my daughter in a public school came home at the time and said, Dad, prayer is back in the school. Because kids were praying yep. in the hallway on 9-11 and 9-12 and no one said a word. And then, of course, you know, a decade later, we forget about that extent. But um, there is a large population, Jordan, push back again, that they just don't see it's that important. Yeah, I think you have to realize the scope of how important everything is. So these cases that you may see on television for a couple of days, talked about on, on radio and, and, and maybe mentioned in, in your local news as well, because it's a big deal for at least uh, it's newsworthy. And then it kind of, you know, they pass on and something else happens in the news. And you, you have to realize that the, the reason why we file so many briefs throughout the year in cases that we may not even 
highlight on our own radio broadcast or on our website because the precedents, uh, the precedent that are set are so important. Why do we see um, seemingly a duplicity here? Everything is fine, and we work so hard to be politically correct on every other faith group except Christians. You can vilify Christians day in, day out, but God help you if you say something irreverent about Islam or the Quran or certain groups, you'll be, you know, in in, in real danger, not just, uh, you know, slap on the wrist. Sure. You know, it's it's interesting. We we document this pretty closely because we we come against these uh, very radical atheist groups who you would think, if you didn't know anything about them, would be just as opposed uh, to Islam and just as opposed to other religious faiths. Judaism, and Jehovah's Witness, right, Mormon, I mean, anything. No problem right. with that. And that they, if, they're, if they're tough enough to put out you know, the Bible, a grim fairy tale, and Bible warning label stickers to sell on their website to raise money, then why don't they have a Quran warning label? The only answer I've ever seen them uh, respond with, Doctor, is, is, like, is that they, uh, they're going after the majority. Which takes us back to the beginning of the broadcast. The idea here, if you're if you're too much of a silent majority, and you're not kind of asserting that, hey, we are here, we want this right, and uh, and we're not going to be uh, let them divide us between, well, you're too conservative if you fight for this, and there's something wrong with you if you fight for this. It's not politically correct if you fight for this. Uh, then ultimately, we lose to the radical minority that wants to take out any any history whatsoever, any references to the history of our of our Judeo-Christian founding. And we're talking about fairly mundane references as well. I mean, as as believers, the idea that a war memorial may have a cross is not so shocking to most Americans, mm-hmm. even Americans who aren't Christians. Uh, and that's not who's bringing these challenges. It is and always has been uh, a very radical, uh, secular uh, community. But they are seizing on, they are seizing on, one, the the what's happening in our nation, that there are more and more people uh, taking their belief position or non-belief position but and more sympathetic to it. And also the idea that, that we have uh, we, we didn't fight for so long that now, even though we can win some of these cases that seem the most outrageous, like the war memorials, they become 10, 20-year legal battles, right. and uh, they, they cost a lot, and they make people think twice. And we're fighting over memorials that are from the 20s, 50s, 60s, uh, uh, they make people think twice about what about a new memorial? You right. know, we're not, we don't even usually talk about that on the air, but what happens if somebody wants to do you'll a have to endow it for now? Fe- endow it for future legal battles. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, and we may be almost a p- too politically correct country to even do it. Uh, and that, that tells you a lot, too, of how far they've come, not in winning always in court, though they've certainly had big victories like prayer. Um, and even to the point where they say, you know, you can't have prayer at a football game. Uh, but we've seen the students, as we talked about, pray on their own. They mm-hmm. always have those rights. Some of it's just education. So sometimes it, that people need to know that, you know, when they said that a school administrator can't pray, it doesn't mean your students can't pray. And uh, and we've seen that have uh, have some effect. But I'm always worried about what you mentioned, which was that people – get get um, kind of gung-ho about things, and they start doing it, and then, you know, a few years later, everybody forgets uh, what happened. I often tell uh, the church where I serve to, to be loving, kind, gentle, and firm, and smile. And yep. it's it seems like we're so afraid. Um, we, we and, if, and if we do engage, we're not always loving, and we're not always kind. Um, but to be able to be loving, kind, gentle, and firm, and smile, and state your opinion, because we do have that freedom. Paul wrote in Romans 13, be 
Every person is to be in subjection to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those which exist are established by God. So we've got this uncomfortable concept that Paul's recognizing Rome, which was not all that different than some of the ways we have uh, uh, sort of become. Um, And we we serve, uh, as Augustine said, we're citizens of two kingdoms. So to live in those two kingdoms, to be a, a believer in the world and of the world, Man, I'm worn out, Jordan. How do, how do I, as a college kid, as a, as a young adult, as a, as a husband, a, a mom, how do I stay engaged in these issues without this being just consuming and exhausting? And, yeah, I know it's wrong, but what do I do about it? Yeah, you got to keep the perspective. I mean, all of us have to – some of us uh, battle that more than others, especially, I think, in the line of work that we're engaged in every single day. Is you can you can get jaded from it. You can be pretty – uh, downtrodden and and of course you know it's 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 all consuming to a point uh, because there is so much going on but we I, I think we we go back to the fact that we, our government was created and gave us rights as citizens and and we live in a unique place where um, taking your government to court is a constitutional right and so if we aren't exercising and I think at least a trying to um, you're not going to win every case. You will not win ev- everything. That when you stand up for what you believe is right, you can't win everything. But but you're going to win more times than often if you do actually get involved. And so whether or not there's it's at your school board and there's a, a seat open, you think maybe I could run for that. Maybe I you know maybe I shouldn't or find someone who can in your community support them. Uh, it could start at that very local level, and you can have a huge impact. And and we're supposed to be doing that. So I I think part of our faith is that we take advantage of where we are and those of us who are uh, uh, you know again uh, blessed to be born here in the United States of America we can look at the bad that's happening but if we just sit there then then we're not really doing what we can we all have the ability to affect things for good and uh, and I think that's part of our faith is that you know the the we have a legal system that that works you can file the lawsuit you we have an electoral process where you can affect real change and people can get elected and you know not just at at the federal level but at the community level and so all of that combined is i think how we actually are supposed to really exercise our faith especially in a country like this where we can we can blame uh our government but ultimately our government is a representative of ourselves how do you encourage uh, younger audiences and even even some maybe 30 40 50 year olds who don't vote they haven't registered. They don't care about it. They say it doesn't matter. The electoral college is what it is. Uh, what do you say to them? You know, your vote. You know, you look at it. There's people that say, "Well, see, my vote won't matter. I'm from this state." And you know, they get focused all on presidential politics and and the big election years. And and ultimately, most of the decisions that you're faced with day to day are made from people who are are elected at the local level, state level. And so, and many times those elections are not the best advertised. It's a little tougher to get information. But from now on, I think, you know, most of us out there have very little excuse because you've got the unbelievable power of the Internet to inform you uh, to get involved in these uh, elections. And it's actually, to me, it's the first step. You know, for, for young people out there, once you are able to exercise that right, registering to vote, and for those who maybe haven't before, it's the starting point to get yourself engaged, to know what the issues are, and to care about them, and to to do something about it. Let's talk a little bit about Pastor Saeed Abedini. You got involved with this quite some time ago. That's right. It was uh, the summer of 2012 uh, when uh, Saeed, who was American citizen, was first arrested in Iran in July, 
and uh, and we got involved. We were about 24 hours within his arrest. We were involved with the family, and we didn't go. People may be a, a little surprised at because we didn't go public with with anything. Um, and how we've tried to handle these cases of persecution before in the past until December of 2012. That right right in the, during Christmas time, so just before 2013, uh, we went public because it was apparent that Saeed would be tried. And if you're going to be tried in Iran, you're going to be found guilty of something. So that's when we went public and when people started finding out about it. Now, he's serving an eight-year sentence, but um, you've had a lot of stops and starts and some hopes and dashed hopes. Sure. Where is that? So where does that stand now? You know, it's a, it's it's not. This is one of the toughest situations to take on, and uh, you know, we thankfully the uh, American people started there uh, realized that this was something they could be engaged in. They had to get their government's attention. It was unfortunate to an extent. It took the first real petition drive, and I and I, I say this a lot of times. I'm speaking at places because. It does tell you kind of the the troubles we face that we had to spend six months and almost 700,000 people who signed a petition to get our executive branch, the Obama administration, to publicly engage with this. Now, ultimately, the president of the United States, President Obama, has spoken out. He did so publicly, calling for Saeed's release at the National Prayer Breakfast. But that was after, you know, more than a year of people, more than a year of going on, Every television network we could, any interview we could. This Pastor Said's wife, very thankful she is American and she's here. So unlike most of the persecuted uh, church and persecuted uh, folks around the world, uh, Said has a wife who's able to speak out publicly, and she's been to the United Nations with me a number of times. Uh, she's given remarks at the United Nations Human Rights Council at the European Parliament, and uh, and of course with our elected officials here in Washington D.C. and around the country. And, and because of that, ultimately, we were able to get our government to take it seriously. But it was very difficult. It took a lot of people uh, uh, getting active. And I know now they are very concerned because though the U.S. government has said these things publicly and we have this dialogue with Iran that the United States has not had since the revolution there in 1979, uh, that, you know, why is Saeed not home? I do have some positive, though, to say is that uh, while this process continues and we have work going on that I can't even get into on the broadcast all the time, we've got teams all around the world in places that you may not really uh, are not the natural places to think that we would be going to for help uh, or the or the most logical places if you if you didn't think very deeply about it. Uh, but 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 Said is actually in a, a private hospital right now. He's still technically in prison, uh, but but he's been there for a few weeks. And, uh, and, you know, every day there is a, an improvement. He has not gotten actual medical treatment. So he's been uh, given pain medication, obviously better food, better better conditions, sanitary conditions. He's got to spend a lot more time with his family that's still in Iran, uh, which has been good for information purposes to know what's going on. Uh, but, you know, it's, uh, at this point, Iran has not budged. Uh, and, uh, you know, we, we work hard every day. You, you hope for a miracle. It will be a miracle-type situation, however it turns out. And uh, we always have two goals. The first goal is that to keep him alive, mm-hmm. and the second goal is to get him home. And, uh, and that first goal is very important. And we're going to direct folks to the uh, website where they can go to Be Heard Project to find out more. It's one word, BeHeardProject.com. How do you keep the, uh, again, back to the, the Christian yawn, you know, the believer yep. who lives in, you know, Midwest or in a, a more remote area, maybe not in the in the Northern Virginia, D.C. vibe or in a, a cosmopolitan yep. area that's busy. I mean, you know, I want to go to work. 
I want to, you know, pay my taxes. I want to, you know, enjoy my family, go to church, maybe uh, go out to eat once or twice a week. Wow. Again, help me with that man, that woman, that young adult. They all have to realize uh, that you don't have to be living this every day uh, to one have an impact on it. You know, that's that's Washington is a a sum of the United States, including. Uh, you could live in a rural congressional district, but your congressman's vote is the same as a congressman who may represent an area of New York City. Uh, and so it's it's not as if they have less influence. And even if you're in a rural state uh, uh, that isn't a, a, a you know a huge population, you've got two U.S. senators uh, who are who are casting these votes. They make a difference. They have no more uh, power than uh, than two uh, senators from New York, and uh, and no less power. So it's important on that front. The second part. Uh, especially when we go to the issues like Said Abedini and and the persecuted church, we all have to realize that, that for us, we may read the New Testament and a lot of the persecution of Paul, and it's not as real time. We kind of see it as this is what was happening moved, under the yeah. Roman Empire. But but these folks, like Said, who were Americans but born in Iran, uh, grew up most of their life, his wife born in Iran, uh, for them, the New Testament's very real time. And, and so for all of us who may be in these, uh, you could say, areas of the world and parts of the world where we're blessed to have the freedoms and we're not experiencing the persecution, our brothers and sisters are, and uh, until that, that wrong is righted, uh, we've got a lot of work to do. And, uh, and for, for most people, that would be uh, a lifetime's worth of work and probably more uh, to right the wrong. So it's, it's getting worse in the world, and, and America has been a very positive voice in the world, but when we retreat, which is there's listen there's some strain of that within conservatives as well, uh, but when we retreat, uh, uh, you know the, the the persecution gets worse, and uh, and remember that our brothers and sisters in, in, in many of these countries are the minority, something that most of us have never lived with in our life. Jordan Seculo, executive director of the American Center for Law and Justice, also known as ACLJ. Thanks so much, Jordan. Appreciate your time. Thanks, Doctor Easley. Again, I turn us to Paul's words to the younger Timothy. In his first letter to him, chapter 2, first of all, then, I urge that entreaties and prayers, petitions, thanksgivings be made on behalf of all men for kings and all who are in authority, so that we may lead in a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. This is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. It's hard sometimes when we see government uh, going a different way than we'd prefer. It's hard to be the last group that it's okay to vilify, to be a Christian today. But the call that all of us can do, regardless of getting involved in a local election perhaps, or maybe writing your particular representative, or being involved in some committee work, all which is fantastic, Paul says, first of all, I urge you, to entreat, to pray, to petition, and even to give thanks on behalf of all men for kings and all who are in authority. Why? Here's the, here's the clause. So that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. Said simply, the purpose of government is for you and me to have a quiet, tranquil, good, godly life. So when government moves away from that, and you and I have a chance to cast a ballot, to be involved with something that's good, maybe that's a decision you can make this year. Maybe that's something that you've never done before, but you can learn a little bit more about what it means to go to the polling station, to learn uh, how those things work, to register to vote, 
to learn about the candidates on your local ballot. But you're praying for those men and women that they'll do good because that's God's job for the government. And when government strays, there are a lot of things that we'd like to do or could do, but this is one we know we must do, is to pray for those who are in authority. This is Michael Easley in Context. Thank you for listening to Michael Easley in Context. If you have questions or comments, please let us know at michaelincontext.com. Follow Michael on Twitter at Dr. Easley. Thank you for listening to Michael Easley in Context.